Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. It's 30 seconds after the hour, 4 o'clock, and it's time for Main Currents. And this is Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Each year, we kick off our live overnight special coverage of the Homelessness Marathon by checking in with folks from some of the local shelters to get an update on homelessness in this area. Today, we'll be talking with some folks from Home Incorporated in Orland and the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter about what resources exist, how to access them, what's needed, and what the community can do to help. We'll have phone lines open throughout the entire show. I'm going to give the phone number now, and you can call in at any point if you have questions, uh, practical information that you'd like to ask for from our guests, or stories yourself if you have stories about your own encounters with homelessness. The number is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500 right into the studio. We're on until 5 o'clock. And coming up, we'll have Democracy Now! following this program and then an hour of jazz straight ahead. And then we'll be going into the Homelessness Marathon that you just heard a promo for in the overnight. It's the 18th Annual Homelessness Marathon. And as you heard, it'll be broadcast from the streets of Washington, D.C. And we'll be broadcasting it straight through the night until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And then at 10 o'clock tomorrow, you'll have another chance to call in if you'd like to talk about anything that's on your mind on the WERU Soapbox tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So I'll give you more details on the Homelessness Marathon later, but first I want to introduce my guests here in the studio and give them a chance to tell you a little bit about their programs and encourage you to call in at 469-0500. We have Tracy Hare joining us. She's the Assistant Director of Home Incorporated in Orland. She started working there just over 11 years ago, and she's also worked in New York City uh, for a brief time doing street outreach, handing out sandwiches on the streets of Harlem, serving food from a pop-up food pantry at the Emmaus House, a homeless charity that's also located in Harlem. In addition to street outreach in New York, she also spent some time giving Reiki treatments to homeless people in Harlem and teaching basic computer skills to homeless and low-income people in the Bronx. And she has returned to Orland to Home Incorporated, where she, as I said, currently is serving as the assistant director. In addition to working with homeless people, Tracy Hare has served on the leadership team of Maine, the Maine Association of Interdependent Neighborhoods. And she's on the board of St. Francis Community slash Mandela Farm, where she lived and worked for two years. That's also a homeless shelter slash farm and where people can live together in community. And she's worked with the homeless for 15 years. And she is also joined by a colleague from home, Gerald Bada, who's with us today. He works in the shelter department. Rowena Griffin is joining us. She is the executive director of the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter and served as the program manager of the shelter for five and a half years before taking on the executive director role, joining us for the first time in that role after Dennis Marble, who's usually here with us each year, has retired. Uh, prior to her work at the shelter, she held leadership positions with Job Corps and Tri-County Mental Health, as well as adherence case management with Maine State Drug Court. And she's also... Um, her colleague joining her, Dennis Piggies, is an overnight worker and former resident of the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter and also a veteran. Welcome to you all. 
Thank you. How are you doing? Thanks all for coming in. So let's just start off again. The phone number is 469-0500. People feel free to join us at any time. I want to kind of do a roundtable. Uh, as you start to speak, maybe you can say your <laughs> names again so people can tell who's who. And tell me a little bit about what programs your shelters or um, facilities offer. We'll start with, uh, with Tracy. Hi. Uh, well, we first and foremost, we run a homeless shelter program. We have five, five, five homeless shelters. We have uh, transitional housing, a food bank, soup kitchen. We have a daycare for low-income and homeless folks. We have a summer camp program. We have a clothing bank. Of, uh, I mentioned food, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, we have holiday meals. We do uh, outreach service, transportation outreach, and all of our shelters are located in and around Hancock County. And home has been around since 1970? 1970, yeah. Oh. Uh, the Bangwari Homeless Shelter is a 38-bed facility. We serve single adults over the age of 18. Um, we have a targeted case manager who works with folks who have main care. We have a path outreach case manager who does literal uh, street outreach as well as outreach with folks that are staying at the shelter. Um, we have a soup kitchen, a food pantry. We serve over 13,000 meals a year. Um, we also, what else do we have, Dennis? Um, you basically hit most everything that yeah. we have. <laughs> So pretty much we'll, um, we will hook up resources with anybody that walks through the door, whether they're staying at the shelter or not. If they need help, we'll figure out a way to help them. Okay. Earlier this month, Margaret Bean, the deputy director of the Maine State Housing Authority, reported that homelessness is down in the state, and she said that 7,020 people were homeless at some point in 2015, but that number um, has decreased over the past three years by 721 people. I have no idea how they can be that precise, but what trends are you all seeing at your two shelters? We've got one that's pretty rural and one that's very urban. Um, so I don't know if, if things would be different in each of those different areas, but what are you seeing in terms of numbers and people that you're serving? Well, uh, uh, we've seen... This is Tracy here. Let's move yeah. that microphone a little bit closer to Tracy. There we go. We've seen an increase, actually, in about 10%. Last year, 253 people came through our services. That includes the Emmaus Center in Ellsworth, which is a more urban, a little right, more urban. Right, right. Um, and the year before, 225 people came through our shelters. So uh, we're seeing actually an increase in people coming to us for services, and they're staying longer. They're staying longer. Um, the family shelters probably have seen an increase. This is Rowena from the Bangor Homeless Shelter. Um, we have held relatively steady. I mean, we've had a slight decrease, about 450 clients a year we've served who've actually spent overnight in the shelter. Um, but Maine Housing has uh, been on uh, an, an initiative to... Um, kind of focus on rapid rehousing and the ho housing first model and I do believe that 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 uh, decrease is accurate uh, statewide they focused on long-term stayers so they've housed a lot of people that were at the Oxford Street shelter in Portland for an extended period of time so they started with the folks who had been there for uh, months or even years got those folks housed and then that's freed up resources for some of the other folks who have not been in shelters quite as long. How were they able to do that and why didn't they do it sooner? 
Well, it was an initiative that came up where they, um, Cullen Ryan, who works for Community Housing of Maine, has um, done a lot of work behind the long-term stayer initiative. Our shelter really doesn't have long-term stayers, but Hope House has had long-term stayers, as has obviously the one in Portland. And as they were looking at that, they thought it made sense. Why don't we free up these resources, get these folks into homes, see what we can do with them there, and it, and it is working. And, and they're probably going to eliminate long-term stayers over the next year or so, probably less than a year. You're nodding yes, Tracy. Yeah, and that's, you know, for Hancock County, um, our biggest, the people that come to us are usually chronically homeless. We have several people now who are actually not in the shelter system anymore, but they're still with us. Um, what, so is, what does that mean? Uh, we're still housing them, um, but not through state or federal federal monies we're fundraising in other ways we're still putting them up in transitional housing for example or um in our shelters they're not counted um, so they're not counted as homeless but basically if you weren't providing them with shelter they would be is that what you're right yeah yeah, yeah. um they're not in like a shelter, shelter bed itself. per se um they're in like a transitional bed or they're staying um with family and they're still receiving services from us or they're renting from us we have um which is different than most shelters in the state home is a little different because we we're set up that we have houses that we can rent out to folks um that aren't part of any state system um and so we are able to move mostly single men without children um, who have the, uh, in our experience anyway, in a rural area, um, a harder time getting the vouchers. Um, they're not on a, you know, a higher priority list as women with children or families with children. Um, so we have some houses located in Orland. Uh, people rent from us. We have houses in Dedham. The idea in the beginning with our houses was that folks who were homeless could move from homelessness to transitional housing to permanent home ownership. And that isn't working out. Um, they're not able to get loans for various reasons. So we can't leave the houses empty, so we rent them. Um, and we oftentimes don't get rent um, because people could just can't afford it on the wages they, they're making. They may be working or, you know, we do have some Section 8 houses that we oversee as well. But long-term homelessness, I think, is a big part of homelessness that home in Orland actually serves. Mm -hmm. um, we do have many people that come for you know shorter stays of 30 days or 45 days but then we have some people who you know who literally die here mm. uh, with us right. and uh, we have a chapel on grounds with um, photos of some of these people elderly people um, that have come here and been here for been with us for 10 years or so and but um, there there has you know really not been a way out for them um, that we could identify at the time anyway. Is this new initiative to uh, get the people who've been in uh, shelters longer term placed into regular housing? Does that yep. seem like it's going to help out? With um, it does. It seems like it's going to help. It's, it's different, though, than the chronically homeless, even though both are prioritized. Chronically homeless folks um, have always had a priority as far as housing. That means if they apply for a voucher, uh, they chronically homeless get moved up to the top of the list. We still have lots of chronically homeless folks, um, and you know they're they're working on both of those. So it, the initiative really is has helped long term stayers as well as chronically homeless. It's what how what, are those two different things? What's the distinction between long term stayer is 180 days within a 360 
um, day period. And a chronically homeless person is, I believe, HUD's recently updated their definition of chronically homeless, but I believe it's three times in the last four years or one year consistently. Um, so, but it's, it's really also what works for housing for these folks, especially some of the chronically homeless folks don't um, necessarily do well just going out to an apartment to live. They need additional support. They need some wraparound services. We have six apartments on our third floor, and the folks that live up there are very successful because they have all their case management at the shelter, and they can come in and, and get any kind of assistance they need at the shelter. So they've all been stable and been up there for extended periods of time. Mm. Listeners, if you're just joining us, this is Maine Currents on WERU, and I have folks with me from both the Home Incorporated program in Orland, Maine, as well as the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter. What we are doing is kicking off the overnight coverage that WERU is going to have of the 18th annual homelessness marathon by checking in and finding out how things are going in our local community. We've been hearing um, from Rowena Griffin, the executive director of the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter, spoke last, and prior to that, Tracy Hare, the assistant director of Home Incorporated. We also have two gentlemen here with us that we're encouraging to jump in whenever they want. And uh, But you haven't heard from them as much yet. We have uh, Dennis Piggies, an overnight worker at Bangor Area Homeless Shelter. He's also a former resident and is a veteran. We'll talk about veteran issues here in a minute. And we also have Gerald Bada, who works at home in their shelter department, too. So jump in anytime, guys. And jump in callers if you want to give us a call we i'd especially love if anyone has had any experience with dealing with homelessness short term long term um, maybe right now you're on the edge or on the verge of needing services love to hear your stories but also call in if you have any questions or comments the number is 469-0500 the phone lines are open now we'll be on until five o'clock again 469-0500 if you'd like to join us here on main currents so are there limits to the number of nights at the different programs that you all run that somebody can stay? And what happens after those uh, number of nights are, are exhausted? Well, this is Tracy. Hi. Uh, yeah, there are limits um, to the amount of bed night, uh, some, amount of time somebody can stay in the shelter. Um, but the limit is. This is good. Gerald will speak for a bit. Um, well, the. There's limits on based with funding, but we don't kick people out. We've had people who stay for years, and they may not move in. They may not be in a shelter apartment, shelter anymore bed, but they may be in an apartment. Or they may be in a small, you know, two or three bedroom, one bedroom, two or three room house, or they may stay up the Mandela Farm and be part of the community. But we get funding, and main housing is pushing long-term stayers and other initiatives to get people out of the shelters. But we have no official limit in our shelters. Okay. So programmatically, things might differ from what the state is. Go ahead, Tracy. You were going to grab that and add something. Oh, we're sharing I, microphones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the state will pay up to 45 days. Um, but there's, there's, the state is actually really helpful in finding solutions for people who stay longer. Um, but the, the emergency shelter definition is 45 days. And but in our experience, you can't get your life together in 45 days. You either have no car or no job or a job that doesn't pay well enough or, or substance abuse or you're suffering with mental health issues. Um, so after that limit is met, um, 
most people can go to another shelter or bounce around shelter to shelter to shelter. Um, Is that but if, oh, sorry. Go sorry, ahead. go ahead. If, and if they stay longer, we, we just find solutions for that. And um, I think basically at the Bangalore Homeless Shelter is where we don't set a limit to how long that they can stay there. Uh, it's basically a case-by-case. Case. Uh, we do have different people that try to find housing for different situations because we think that everybody's situation is different and we don't put them all into the same box. So, uh, again, uh, yeah, there's no deadline. We just try to house as many people as we can as fast as we can so we can get new guests in or new uh, people that need to be housed in so and do you have to turn people away because your beds are full how often does that happen if it does at all that doesn't happen too often uh, we do have another thing that we initiate is called our overflow uh, right now we basically only have like uh, five beds that we can push that I can't remember the exact numbers that Rowena just said that we have that's total that we can allow but we try not to turn uh, people away. We also just initiated a new program that if they're in dire need, because it has been cold the last couple of days, this last month, or really not too cold. Yeah, one day also, it's 15 below, the next day it's 50 degrees. Yeah. Exactly, so it's kind of unpredictable. We can uh, house them if it's an emergency situation. Depending on their needs, again, uh, we can house them and also in a hotel uh, that's working with us there at the shelter. So that also helps us out a lot as well. Right. Do you have a sense, any of you, of how many people might be outside, sleeping outside in their cars or in encampments? It sounds like they don't necessarily have to do that. It sounds like both of your agencies will find places for people, but there may be other reasons why someone doesn't want to go into a shelter and they choose to sleep outside. Can you talk about that a little bit? We have That's a pretty yeah. We have a pretty good handle on who's outside. Like as I said, our path outreach worker um, is literally out looking through the woods and checking on people. And if we do know someone's out, he he goes out and makes contact with them frequently, urging them hopefully if they can stay at the shelter to come to our shelter or the Hope House. Uh, CHCS Community Health and Counseling Services also has a team of outreach folks, so they'll work with us at times. Um, and generally, we just did the point in time count for Maine State Housing, which is one of the ways they gather these statistics for how many people are literally homeless. And they f found one person um, that night. That they, It's one night they all go out and, and look. And But he happened to be at the library, so it's questionable whether he actually was homeless. I think they just happened to catch him at that time. But he defined himself as homeless. So... Um, Generally, we have a pretty good idea. There are some folks who will sleep in their cars because they don't want to be in a shelter. Um, but we've recently been able to engage a, a woman who'd been outside for years and wouldn't come in. And we finally gotten her to come in, and she's actually making some progress. So we're pretty excited about that. What prevents people? Are they uh, fearful? I, I, I know um, years ago in Portland, one of the big issues was that if you had been um, using any kind of substance, including alcohol, uh, some of the shelters could not permit you to stay there for the night. Is that still a, an issue? At our, at our shelter, it's a dry shelter, so we don't allow anybody that's been or under the influence within the last 24 hours to stay there. Hope House, on the other hand, will serve people who are actively using, um, but they've set some more limitations around people. So we did find some people this summer who preferred to be outside because they wanted to be able to party 
um, and it's not as easy to do now um, because Hope House has set some limitations around that. So, um, but those are in the warmer months, and they're not necessarily, you know, we kind of kept an eye to see if there was any risk associated with them, and we work with PD to kind of check on people and make sure they're safe. Uh, for yeah. us, I, I think the barriers we find to people reaching out to us for warmer shelter, um, we've encountered some hoarding situations, and you know that in itself presents a lot of challenges. Getting somebody to come for help, they may not have heat or something, but don't want to leave their their house, which isn't fit for habitation. Um, then there's um, there's a fear that I've noticed um, uh, the paperwork involved in an intake frightens people. It, it's, 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 a, you know, it's definitely a barrier. <coughs> Folks don't, aren't required to answer. Um, you can't force anyone to answer any of the questions on the intake, but that's a barrier. People have a genuine fear, not genuine, but a fear of, um, of the amount of paperwork that's required in an intake. And substance abuse, again, that's, that's a problem. Um, we don't have any wet shelters either, and um, we are very aware of the Hope House. What's fascinating about the shelters in our area, we get a lot of help from the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter, and you know, shelters coordinate really, really well with each other to bounce these, these um, services around. To you folks. guys have taken a few people from us that and, and, needed and, your help that right. we couldn't manage. Yeah, and it so. goes the other way, you know. Um, so, you know, substance abuse, I think, and mental mental illness um, continues to be the biggest challenge to us. The last I, in the eleven years I've been at home, I think I can recall just one person sleeping in her car, severe um, substance abuse problem. It's taken years that person's housed with us, not. Um, yeah, that person's housed with us. But it was a, it was definitely a challenge getting that person into a safe environment, and it, it almost came to a life-or-death situation for this person mm -hmm. sleeping in their car. With um, Main State Housing, the uh, you know, that we may be able to get this additional funding through this Navigator program, the amount of paperwork that we have to do, the amount of questions that we have to ask has dramatically increased, and they really want that information. So... Um, and, and when people present at a shelter and you're the difference between them sleeping outside and having a bed, pretty much they're going to sign and do whatever you put in front of them. So, um, but there are those folks who, who have some paranoia and whatnot, and, and they just really don't want to engage in that process. And we don't force them to, um, but it is highly encouraged that we do get that information. All right, again, that phone number is 469-0500 if you'd like to join us on Main Currents as we talk about homelessness in our area and get ready to kick off the 18th annual Homelessness Marathon tonight. Uh, Governor LePage told a crowd at a town hall meeting in Freeport last night that asylum seekers are the biggest problem in our state. What happens to refugees, asylum seekers, undocumented workers? Tracy, you just mentioned the paperwork, and I imagine that's going to be daunting for a lot of people. What if somebody comes in and they are, you know, one of the farm worker crews that come through here in the summertime? Can they get housing through one of the shelters? Absolutely. Uh, for home, anyway. We, we won't turn anyone away who's, who's needing shelter. Um, and... We, this actually happened, uh, I think it was three or four years ago. Uh, 22 people, farm workers, arrived at home who were homeless. They had been solicited to come here and rake blueberries or um, by someone 
who really didn't have a job for them. And they arrived here in Hancock County, the sheriff reached out to us, and they landed on our doorstep. Um, and it, it, it was confusing as an organization because um, they're not technically homeless in the traditional sense, but they're, they're homeless as, as human beings. So we took them in. Um, and we used our resources. Um, they went into the shelter system. Um, there's no, you know, if you don't have identifying documents, you're not turned away for shelter. It's on the paperwork. You can refuse your Social Security, you know, all of those things. Um, that being said, the resources are much less. So they're more likely um, for home. This is home's experience. I, I can't really know how that would affect Bangor. Um, but for home, um, a few of those families have moved on and, you know, they've gotten either temporary protected status when that was available to them, um, become legal and so forth. Most of them left and went back to Florida when they were able. Um, but when they come here, they there is a bit of a misconception that they have all of these services available to them. It's just not the case. No. It's just so those, not the case. So all those memes on Facebook are wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some services that asylum seekers are, are eligible for, and, and they had to fight hard preference. for that to even keep that. Um, just a, a regular person, undocumented person, um, you can't you can't do anything. You can't, you can't get um, food stamps. So shelters are sort of left thinking on their feet. Okay, so how do we find the next step for this human being? Um, and so I don't know if there are any solutions. We take it person by person. And um, we, we, we have, this is when I think we reach out to uh, outside of the box a little bit to churches. Churches are really helpful with people who are without papers and, you know, finding solution, especially the, um, the Episcopal Church has, does outreach, uh, has done in the past anyway, to Haitian refugees. Um, it's an interesting and probably a topic for another show. I had a farmer come in to me one time saying he, he couldn't afford housing for the workers that he had from Haiti. Um, and so we looked, we tried to help him find solutions for that, and it just, there weren't any solutions. So we've got two problems, really. We've got workers coming in who are actually coming in essentially homeless. And do they go into the homeless shelter system, or do we as a state try and figure out, okay, we've got the farmers who are asking for the workers. Do we try and find a solution for that? So there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to it, but right, right. we don't turn them away, no. Dennis, you want to speak to that for Bangor? Well, I haven't dealt with the farmer situation before, but at the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter, we actually, uh, if they a person comes in and they don't have like a birth certificate or ID, it's actually on our intake paperwork. We ask them if they need help getting that for them. So we'll go above and beyond uh, to try to get that paperwork. And as a matter of fact, there's a couple of people in our shelter now uh, that we're doing it to help them get their birth certificate, even a driver's license sometime. But we start off with the birth certificate and a main state ID just to get them started. First off, to get them employed. And then it's, it's fast for us to get them housed as well. Great. We do have a caller. Uh, Kenny from Rockport called 469-0500. We've got one phone line still open if you'd like to be next up on deck. Thanks for joining us, Kenny. Hello. How are you folks today? I'm doing pretty well, good. Thanks. thanks for asking. Good, good. Thanks for having the show on the air. I am uh, very much interested in housing, looking to find out how to contact your folks in, in search of some help in getting myself into a home. What's your situation, Kenny? Do you mind, what do you, do you mind talking about it on the air? A little bit. 
I'm pressed. I'm at work right now too, so I need to press for time. I also want to say that I, I just lost control of my my late mother's house due to foreclosure, which I was living in, trying to get financing for, and I couldn't arrange it. So can now you, I'm. Let me interrupt you and have them give you the info you want first, and then you can tell your story. And then if you need to go, you can leave it there. But let's make sure you get what you need first: the contact info from these folks. All so right. Let, uh, Tracy, do you want to give for home? Sure. Hi, Kenny. Um, well. First of all, just I would encourage you to call Home's office. Our phone number is four six nine seven nine six one, and I'm seven nine six one. Yes, yes, and we'll get that from Bangor for you as well. Uh, hi, Kenny. Our uh, direct phone line at Bangoria Homeless Shelter is nine four seven zero zero nine two. I'd encourage you to seek out one of the local social service agencies there and get a case manager, and they can help you through this process. Okay, so I just okay, want to make sure. Go ahead again. The number. first number is 469-7961. Correct. And the second number, please? 947-0092. 947-0092. Okay, just wanted to make sure you had those numbers in case you needed to go real quick, but we would like to hear your story if you have time to tell us a little bit okay. about what's going on what's and maybe the they name? can answer questions. What's the name of this organization? The first phone number that you got was for Home Incorporated, which is based out of Orland, and the second one was for Bangor Area Homeless Shelter. Okay. All right, here's, here's the, uh, the story in a nutshell. My mother took sick and, and passed away, and the bank would not allow me to make the payments on it because it was a government-guaranteed loan, and the house was not in my name. So while I was moving in from out of state and trying to secure a, a positive job to make sure that I could pay for the house and then approach the bank with rewriting the loan on it, it just didn't happen. Didn't I was just faltering one one failing job after another, and uh, right now I've got myself on that secure job that I'm, I'm very much secure in. I'm working fully, getting myself into a house of my own. Meanwhile, the uh, foreclosure happened and just uh, took the house off off to auction in the last few weeks. And currently, I am staying with a friend, and it's overcrowded, and it's just not working out right. And I'm struggling to keep up with um, bills and get some money together so that I can get a place of my own. Are there shelters uh, closer in, in Rockport? What would be the closest? I know that he can call these two numbers that you gave him, and you can talk to him about what other services are down in that area. But I think the the only one down there, uh, and that's near Rockland, right, yes, is yeah, the is right. a family shelter. Um, and then the next closest one would be... Belfast? Is there? No, there's, there's not, Belfast. not one in Belfast. Belfast. There's not a shelter. Uh, Augusta? Yeah, Augusta or Mid Maine. You, um, you could also call dial 211 and they will oh, okay. give you information as well. That's a statewide hotline. That's, yes, state, that's a statewide hotline. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. One thing, one point I want to make is that I heard on your show here today about you have houses and people can't get financing for one reason or another and then you rent them, and then people aren't able to make the rents because they're underpaid or under-earning. And that's what sparked my interest. If you have houses available, I might, uh, I would like to take a look at the possibility of owning one at one point. Well, sure. Um, we're located in Orland, and um, the, 
the first step would be to reach out to our office um, and if, if relocating is something um, that you're you're thinking about also another resource for you um, I don't know if you have access to internet um, but um, the Maine State Housing Authority has um, a, a really comprehensive website and a list of all of the emergency shelters in the state of Maine and it's um, mainehousing.org and on, okay. on that website um, they list the shelters that would are close to your area I think there are like 42 shelters in the state of Maine um, but certainly if if you're interested in putting in a housing application here in Hancock County um, the, you know we, we welcome a call we, we do have a waiting list unfortunately and um, yeah. but of course we encourage anybody who's in need of housing and who who is in a position to to pay a small rent um, we encourage you to call and we also have a website that you can download a housing application from um, you, uh, if you have a pen right there our uh, website is homeemmausa.org h-o-m-e-m-m-a-u-s-a dot o-r-g and it's under the housing link on our website and that's um, that's for a permanent housing application for rental housing we also have a waiting list for that and unfortunately we are full but I don't want to discourage you for reaching out from right. reaching out to us and just you know just um, just introduce well, I'll, I'll stop by calling these phone numbers and looking what I can do online while I am uh, at a better time to do that when I'm not at work wonderful great thank thank you for calling Kenny thank you and that phone number, if you'd like to join us on Main Currents, is 469-0500. And again, we are talking about homelessness in our area here today. My guests, just to remind you all of who you're talking with, are Tracy Hare. She's the Assistant Director of Home Incorporated in Orland. Gerald Bada also works at home in the shelter department. And Rowena Griffin is the Executive Director of the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter. And Dennis Piggies is an overnight worker and former resident at Bangor Area Homeless Shelter. I've mentioned a few times that you're a veteran. Let's talk about veterans' issues. There was, let's see, I just saw a report that said that the estimates are that homelessness among veterans is also um, decreasing. And then there were some questions about whether or not that was actually due to uh, the way that things were being monitored and the, the way people were being counted. But how much of an issue is it in Maine, homeless veterans? And, and you were one yourself, so you know what that um, situation is like. Um, I think the hardest thing about being a veteran uh, and being homeless is I think it's a pride thing. Um, that you really don't want to ask for help, so it's hard to kind of probably try to reach out to us. So we try to do everything basically on our own. Uh, when I see veterans that come in, I kind of try to reach out to them myself uh, and try to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, let them know that there is help. And there's also another program that's outstanding. Uh, they probably brought a couple of those numbers down. Uh, it's called Preble Street that they help veterans as well. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but if I was at work, I'd know exactly where to go. Maybe Rowena can give that number. It's uh, actually called SSVF, and it's through Preble Street out of Portland. They've contracted some offices. Um, they have one in Washington County and one in Bangor, and I can't recall what it stands for. Well, I will look that up anyway, while. Anyway, they, um, 
do some fabulous work like Dennis is going to keep telling you about. <laughs> so, uh, again, as you said, I was a resident there once, so they helped me out. Actually, my caseworker, now I don't know if I can say her name, but I'm going to say it anyway. She's an outstanding lady. Carrie, she helped me out. Uh, there's a lot of programs uh, that they can help you do. They'll find housing for you. They'll help you find housing. They'll help you with bedding, uh, get you started. Uh, what is that other program we have? Welcome to Housing. Uh, they introduced me to that. Uh, but the main thing with veterans, I think it is, is their first initial point of contact, as we may call it. Uh, if we feel like a little overbearing or you're trying to uh, force feed us something, we're probably shun away and walk away. Uh, so other than that, it's their first initial, first initial point of contact with a veteran. If you guys link up or they have an understanding of you, I think they're going to try to listen and they'll they'll accept the help. They just don't want to seem like you're overbearing to them. You're just giving them something for free. They mm -hmm. want to actually feel like it's being earned and not given. So, mm. yeah, that, uh, the phone number. I just tried to look it up and somehow we've lost internet access in here. But John Greenman, our trusty uh, engineer, found the phone number and at seven seven five zero zero two six. And the article I was referring to about homelessness and veterans in the state um, actually came from the Bangor Daily News in December. Reporter Seth Koenig wrote, it looks like there are more homeless veterans in Maine, but the numbers don't actually tell the whole story. He said there's conflicting data and there are more homeless veterans overall in the country, but fewer in Maine and in other places. And that some of the increases in number were probably due to better efforts to identify people and get them services. And we do have another caller on the line, Marnie in Brooksville. Welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going? Great, thanks for joining us. No problem. You called me on my drive home. <laughs> so, what's on your mind, Marnie? So I'm I'm just pondering this question of homelessness, and I I live in an area which has a bounty of very nice homes that are empty and heated and kind of stocked with food and ready for living in. But I think we have to like look at this question as a larger socioeconomic difference between people that live and habitate this area, at least some of the time. Yeah, yeah. Tracy, Tracy here from home is nodding. You're absolutely right, Marnie. Uh, the state the homeless shelters, churches, we're all operating within a system that's got some really huge challenges. We have plenty of housing. I don't want to get too political, but we have plenty of housing for people not to be homeless. We have plenty of food for people not to be homeless. Uh, and there's plenty of money for people to make a little better money in their paycheck. Uh, so it, it, it is, I don't know if you've heard, um, of Sherry Honkala. She she was an activist who, who, or she is an activist. And she'll who, be on the Homelessness Marathon tonight, too. Wonderful. Yes. Tell her hi from home. <laughs> um, and she, she, part of her activism was going into, and I'm not encouraging this, but I, w I, I was impressed by it, going into houses that were heated and with homeless people and just sort of squatting in them. And I'm not encouraging to squat, but, you know, it does highlight. No, a, I, think, I think we should encourage <laughs> people to squat. Okay. Well, you're allowed to do that. I don't think I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. It, does, it does have to get political when we're talking about these issues. Absolutely. And, 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 and again, having Governor LePage saying that he would refuse things that refugees are the problem, or are people seeking refuge are the issue. I mean, this is very political for homeless people within this area. 
absolutely. And in our area, Hancock County, um, we, we have quite a contrast of poverty and extremely wealthy. And um, bridging that gap to, uh, is, is, it's political, it's bigger. We have, uh, you know, we have to strengthen safety nets, not take them away. Um, right now, and I feared this years ago, that we were taking so many safety nets away that the, and I don't want to say burden, because homeless people aren't a burden to those of us who do this work, but we were shifting the burden to the nonprofits, the homeless shelters, um, mm-hmm. to, to, do, to do it all, to find solutions to income inequality, to find solutions to affordable housing. And, uh, you know, home is quite big and sometimes a little bigger than we, we can manage. But it was in response to those things, Marnie, that, you know, there isn't enough housing available to those who need it and and so it is political and the safety net programs that you know i say i can say it again and again and again and wages 750 an hour mm-hmm. yeah so when when you spoke to me about coming on the show i was thinking you know there are a lot of services now in place and a lot thanks to main housing and the other shelter providers that work really well together to help you once you're homeless but just when you're about to fall into homelessness, there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot to... And once you're homeless, it used to be that you could, you know, find some work and start to dig your way out of some problem, you know, the hole that you're in. Right now, with the wages people are being paid and, and how much rent you have to pay and the, the cost of heating your house and, and, and vehicles in a rural area and all of those things, yeah. even if you're working full-time, even if you know, you've, you're applying for food stamps and, and those things. There is really no solution. Something has to change. Be- and this is why I suspect home has a lot of long-term people. Um, people, and, and I'm not even going to say chronically homeless because by now they're far beyond that definition. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, unless something changes, and, and, and I don't know what the solution is, but unless something changes, people who come to our shelters now really their only option is to go into a Section 8 housing or another assisted housing. You can't now just get a job and dig your way out of homelessness. And, and so that's a huge problem. There's no real way out of it anymore mm-hmm. once you're there. Well, thank, thank you for your call, Marnie. Appreciate no it. No problem. I just wanted to say I appreciate so much the work that you do and, you know, congratulations. And I, I hope the political realm shifts so it makes your job easier and homeless people in houses a lot easier of a concept. All right. Thank you. And the Preble Street's website, if anyone is uh, wanting more information about that, is preblestreet.org. Thanks, John, for that. We do have Yo on the line, and one phone line opened up. We have about 15 minutes left to the program, so if anybody else would like to join in as well, 4690500. Welcome to the program, Yo. Good afternoon. This is Yo in Tremont. Homelessness isn't really a problem. It's a symptom of patterns of ownership. Failing imperial culture depends upon homelessness to keep those who have homes from making waves. Thank you for putting on this program and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thanks for the call, Yo. And uh, just segueing off, talking <laughs> about and getting lots of smiles and I think sort of nods of agreement here, you Erin. Um, we have talked a little bit about some of the different things that you're triaging together. This article that was on Preble Street's uh, website posted just recently, I think within 
the last couple of weeks. It's written by someone named Bill Burns. Actually, it's just last week. Uh, touches on some of that. So I want to read an excerpt from this and then have you all weigh in on it. Um, the article is titled, The Heroin Epidemic is Turning My Soup Kitchen into an Emergency Room. He tells the story of a woman who drove a friend who had OD'd directly to the shelter instead of to the ER. Here are some excerpts. Quote, she knew someone here would have Narcan, a life-saving, overdose-reversing drug that until recently was unavailable here in Maine to people at risk of overdosing. With so many clients at risk of heroin and opiate addiction, we are the new first responders. We are also the last responders. We've had so many clients die that we've gotten good at compassionate grief. We've become experts at the well-staged memorial service. 250 Mainers reportedly died of heroin and opiate overdoses in 2015, up from 176 in 2013. Over the past six months, we've responded to more than a dozen overdoses in our space and held roughly the same number of memorial services for people we know who died on the street. The high risk of death by heroin and opiates has changed our work in a way and in a way changed who we are. We're we've had to modify bathrooms that promised a homeless person some modicum of privacy by cutting 10-inch gaps at the bottom of the doors and installing a light system that lets us know if someone has stopped moving. We didn't want to do this, but we simply had too many people who stopped breathing in those bathrooms. When Obamacare began, Maine was the only New England state that did not expand Medicaid, forfeiting more than $300 million in federal funds yearly. Then in January 2013, spending on Maine Care, Maine's Medicaid program, was reduced and 20,000 low-income Mainers lost coverage. Without Medicaid funding, the number of beds and detox programs fell. Now in Portland, there are only 10 beds for the uninsured. That's in Portland. Uh, for those who couldn't get off the opiates, heroin arrived, often cut with the more potent and cheaper fentanyl. The number of people who died from heroin in Maine rose from 7 in 2010 to more than 70 in 2015. This has created real dilemmas for my colleagues and me. Again, that's an article that's posted on Preble Street's um, website, preblestreet.org. How did those experiences in Portland compare to what's happening in Bangor down east as you're dealing with an opiate addiction crisis and also just becoming sort of the triage last resort for everything, it sounds like? We, um, uh, I'm actively engaged working uh, with some folks around opening a social detox in Bangor Brewer area. What is that? Um, that is for folks who, <coughs> excuse me, they're going to go and they're going to go through detox. Um, it's in a social setting <coughs> and not necessarily needing to have uh, insurance. And then the shelter is looking at po the possibility of buying a property where if these folks finish their detox and then they're sh homeless, which doesn't give you the opportunity to really get them engaged in recovery if you're putting them right in a shelter, um, we're hoping to obtain a property that would allow us to offer that housing piece for them once they're done with the social detox. And that would be in conjunction with the Bangor Area Recovery Network. So we want to be part of that solution. We also ask that anyone who comes to stay at our shelter who struggles with any addiction issues have a recovery um, plan in place, that they're either engaged in actively getting substance abuse treatment, attending meetings. Um, we work with the Hope House very closely if they have folks who want to get clean and stop using, and we'll try to get them in and have a plan with them. Um, we do pretty well at the shelter. Uh, you know, recognizing if somebody's using drugs, um, 
but you know the shelter ends up being a detox in and of itself the jail the shelter um, and like I said you only have a very short window once someone's detox to get them engaged and keep them engaged in recovery Tracy did you want to add or we also have oh. a couple guys here who speak occasionally if they'd like to jump in Gerald or this Gerald's gonna jump in on that um, you know in our shelter in, in our shelters we don't necessarily see a lot of the harder type drugs like that but one of the things we I have noticed is we're so rural so any kind of treatment that we do have for people they have to go say, say daily for they have methadone or whatever they have to go to Bangor they have to travel quite a ways so it can be quite a taxing on our outreach abilities we have a lot of people who will drive for just just as donating their time and stuff but it's very hard to get people to the treatment whether it's Bangor Ellsworth or wherever they're going and it's very hard. And Tracy and while we're on the topic, um, we're actually looking for um, solutions to uh, substance abuse. We're, we're looking for substance abuse counselors to volunteer their time at home. Um, yes, let's shift gears. We've got 10 minutes left to the program. Let's shift into that with both agencies, what you need for help and support from the community. Yeah, and you said it, you know, Shelters are the low-income housing of our time. They're also the substance abuse centers of our time. And um, so home, that being said, home, uh, you know, we're looking for people who have expertise in the area to problem solve with us. It's, we're, it's starting to evolve again. We're starting to see a little more drug use than we're used to. Um, we have a successful AA program that was started by a homeless guy. And um, it's, it's in Orland three days a week. And again, you can call 469-7961 if you need to attend those meetings, but NA and the harder substances, this is sort of brand new for us, or at least we're noticing it as brand new. So we are looking for help in that area. And I think there's movement in Hancock County to at least a conversation. Uh, it was snowing the day I missed the meeting, but to start uh, some sort of clinic or outreach like that in, in the area, because transportation, as Gerald said, is a barrier for folks. So anyone out there who's willing to give a couple of hours a week uh, for substance abuse counseling, please call us. Um, we, we, we have many people who could really benefit from that service. Gerald, you wanted to add some more? And, and beyond that, this is the general about what kind of help we could use. Um, this year, we're going to do about $200,000 in uh, shelter rehab. So we need you know, people who have some carpentry skills, other type of skills that would like to donate or some supplies that would help us put in windows in shelters. That maybe Did you say you need like 80 windows? Was it 80? Uh, the St. Francis Inn, which is located down here in Orland, we have uh, we need 18 windows. 18, okay. And we, we have roofing jobs that so we need paintings, you know, our shelters are getting old. <laughs> and so there's not a lot of money available for, for that. So if, if people do have a skill, like we said, we're, we're trying to put together a funding, funding package this year for a massive shelter rehab. We'll also have an auction in August, an auction slash yard sale, giant yard sale to raise money for that. Um, so if there are any listeners who feel inclined to donate a weekend to put in some windows, give us a call. And, and throughout the summer, we have about 600 to 1,000 volunteers in various groups starting in the next couple of weeks with college groups, we have high school groups, church groups. And so you could really, you know, one or two people helping with that group who's skilled can really bring forth a lot of work. I mean, they have, we have a lot of, you know, enthusiastic young people with little skills. So if we have people that come and help with skills, it would 
definitely be well used. And how about funding? Well, you mentioned that you have everyone in this area knows the big auction that home has up there on the hill every summer. What are the uh, funding sources? What are private donation sources? Well, uh, we do we get grant funding from uh, independent or private foundations. Uh, we also we get funding. Interestingly, we get a lot of funding from the state of Connecticut. Churches in Connecticut that you might see tent city up here on the hill in the summer. Uh, you know, a hundred or so tents out in the field of volunteers. Um, we get a lot of financial support from different denominations of churches in Connecticut. Um, not as much support from local churches, but they're also struggling. So according to what they have, we're getting a lot of help from local churches in the area of food and so forth. But funding primarily, um, our shelter funding is a really small part of our, our fundraising. Uh, a lot of our other, we also have an advantage at home because we have a lot of work opportunities. We have mills and we build houses and we have a craft store and a market stand. So we can, we can employ people too. So we have earned income. We, we sell Christmas wreaths during uh, the holiday season. That's a big income producer for us. We also um, are able to keep some of our shelters heated and so forth from the rents that we get from people who are renting from us. So okay. It's a mixed bag. We'll shift to uh, Bangor Area Homeless Shelter, but real quick, what's the phone number one more time and website for Home Incorporated? 469-7961. Uh, and our website is homemasusa.org. H-O-M-E- M-M-A-U-S-U-S-A dot O-R-G. <laughs> it's a mouthful, and we've just changed our website link, so... Um, we'll put that link on, on uh, the archives of this program. Great, and all of our services are listed on that Ro website. Great. Rowena, do you mind me just jumping in front of you real quick? We was talking about the veterans earlier. Uh, the number, if they, I don't know how far this radio station is reaching, but its area code is through Preble Street, uh, and I think the guy that runs that is Robbie or anybody there that can help you. The number is going to be area code 207-956-6555. And that's for veterans, or as I was taught the other day, I forgot about the training I went through. Service members, they like to be called now. Uh, but veterans sounds all right to me. So that is a great point of contact, and uh, they will help you out a lot there for the veterans that are out there. And if you can hear me, you need to be housed. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Rowena, did you? I know you have a list there of some of the needs uh, for Bangor Area Homeless Shelter, and you also wanted to mention an upcoming event. Uh, yeah, on our uh, website, which is www.bangorareashelter.org, we have a wish list of things we need. We always, always need coffee, creamer, um, long johns, T-shirts, uh, uh, socks, although we've gotten a lot of socks this year. I don't know if you guys did or not, but uh, there was a posting on Facebook about socks being the most needed item, so I think we're good for socks for a while, but um, uh, long-distance calling cards, pencils, day planners, wallets, uh, and did I mention the haircuts? We really need someone to donate haircuts for our guests, especially the females we have. Dennis was able to get someone to help us out for the males at a barber shop, but we do need someone who, because, you know, people want to get looking appropriate for job interviews and it makes you feel better if you look better, I guess. Um, and then we have our, uh, we have two large fundraisers every year. One is just an annual appeal where the esteemed Dennis Marble began writing a letter every fall. Um, and that brings in a, a huge portion of our budget. And the other large um, fundraiser is the Hike for the Homeless, which is this year on April 9th. 
Um, and last year we had 1,100 participants. We're hoping to have more than that, hopefully 12 or 1,300 this year. And that is uh, www.hikingforthehomeless.org. All right, and the phone number and website for Bangor Area Homeless Shelter, real quick. www.bangorareashelter.org, 947-0092. And go to our Facebook page and like us. We yeah, like, like our Facebook yes. page. Okay, uh, we have about two minutes left. You wanted to add something real quick, Gerald? Yeah, I just, you know, one other thing that we always need in the shelter is things people don't think about, soaps, shampoos, hygiene products. A lot of people that are homeless, they don't have that stuff anymore, and it'd be really helpful whether it's, you know, feminine hygiene products, like I said, soap, shampoos, um, underwear for men and stuff. You know, we just don't get a lot of the stuff that we take for granted when you have a house, when you have income and stuff. And those are, we're always running short on those items. Great. Thank you. you. You folks could call us, too, if you're in need of something like soaps and shampoos, because we usually have a lot of those products. So just always reach out. Here. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we are just about out of time, and there were several topics that we didn't even get to discuss, so we'll have to do this again real soon. One of them, one that I think is going to be very important in upcoming years from everything I've read, is the aging population in Maine and the complete lack of affordable housing. Portland, they're building very expensive places for like $4,000, $5,000 a month, uh, but having only a tiny, tiny portion of those being designated as affordable. So. Uh, maybe another time we can talk about that and some of these other issues that we haven't had a chance to touch on tonight. But if you stay with us here on WERU through the overnight, we will be going right now to Democracy Now! at 5 o'clock. And then at 6, we'll have one hour of Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry, who is in the building, getting ready to do that. And then we'll be joining the Homelessness Marathon as it kicks off at 7 o'clock tonight. We'll be with them through the night until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And the way the Homelessness Marathon works is at the top of each hour, they have a short pre-recorded feature about homelessness. And then they go live. Uh, they usually give out a phone number. So if you didn't get a chance to speak here and you want to speak there, you can call in on the national program. What they're going to be doing tonight is walking around the perimeter of the White House, talking with all of the homelessness homeless people that are living on the streets right there in Washington, D.C., and conducting what they're calling a homeless primary, asking those folks who they would like to vote for for president if they have a preference, among other things, whatever else they'd like to talk about. But it should be real interesting listening. And again, it kicks off at 7 o'clock here on WERU. I want to thank my guests again. Uh, we have had people here with us today from both Home Incorporated in Orland, Tracy Hare and Gerald Bada, and from the Bangor area, Homeless Shelter, Rowena Griffin and Dennis Piggies. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks, everyone who called in. Thanks, John Greenman, for engineering. I'm Amy Brown. This is Maine Currents. Join us every Wednesday at 4 for independent local news, views, and culture here on your community radio station, <laughs> WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 .9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust a member-supported, non-profit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. The WERU Winter Funathon Pledge Drive is coming up on Saturday, February 20th through Saturday morning, February 27th. During this time, we'll be inviting listeners to become new members and sustaining members or to make additional contributions to your community radio station. 
Listener support is the largest portion of the income that WERU receives, and for that we are extremely grateful. So stay tuned and enjoy community radio and feel good knowing that it's your support that keeps community radio going strong. 